What up, everybody? It is episode 107 of The Genius Life. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods and The Genius Life. I'm super excited for this new COVID-19 themed episode of the show in which we are going to discuss a topic that we have never discussed before on The Genius Life up until this point, and that is money finances, those fat stacks, which uh, today, unfortunately for many people, have become a lot leaner, those lean stacks. And on the show today, we've got a brilliant woman. Her name is Nicole Lappin. She's a good friend of mine. Uh, she's been on every TV show that you can imagine talking about finances and investing and saving. And she's a New York Times bestseller. She's written a number of really great books, uh, Rich Bitch, Boss Bitch, um, she has a new book out called Becoming Superwoman. As you can tell from her book titles, she's kind of known for her uh, irreverence, which I think is really great to, um, you know, it's kind of like loop younger people into this discussion about finances, which as we're going to dis discuss, um, is something that seems to be lost upon a younger generation. So I'm a huge fan of her work. She's really smart. And um, over the course of the next uh, 45 minutes, she's going to give you a lot of really important takeaways. We're going to talk all about ways of cutting down on your expenditures, ways to reduce debt, um, whether or not you should be investing, or if you are an investor, whether or not you should be uh, pulling out money at this point, or um, whether, or maybe right now is the right opportunity to get in if you've got some cash on the, you know, on the side. So we're gonna cover all these topics. It's a great chat, um, and uh, yeah, she's just a wealth of information, and I'm pumped for you to listen to it. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show, and that is Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon makes the tastiest, low-carb, grain-free, sugar-free cereals that I've ever had. In fact, I liked their product so much that when I first tasted it, I actually decided to uh, invest a little bit of money into the product uh, to become an investor um, in a private company for the first time, which was a, an incredible learning experience for me. Um, but, you know, for people that are looking to have that nostalgic, uh, hyper palatable um, feeling of reward that you get when you have a nice bowl of cereal, um, there are not many options on the market that don't have a lot of added junk and sugar and bogus uh, you know, like extra calories and things like that. So I was really excited to discover Magic Spoon because their cereal is 100%, um, it's a high protein cereal. It's keto friendly, very uh, low carb, grain free, as I mentioned, sugar free. Um, high protein a serving has about 12 grams of protein. It's not gonna be a great cereal for you if you are avoiding dairy because the cereal is made using milk proteins, uh, including casein and, and whey protein. Um, but if you're okay with dairy, it is really tasty. It's basically like having a protein shake, but in the format of cereal. And I love to eat it with just a little bit of unsweetened almond milk, uh, as a treat, um, and to, you know, keep my protein levels up. And, uh, and I should also mention, because I know that this is going to come up, that when I first discovered Magic Spoon, the oil, the primary oil that they used in the ingredients list was coconut oil. And I was down with that. Then they changed the oil recently um, after I became an investor and started talking about the product to a high oleic sunflower oil. 
Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about hyaluronic sunflower oil because I know I'm going to get questions about this. Regular sunflower oil is about 70% linoleic acid, which is a polyunsaturated fat, which is the type of fat that is the most chemically unstable, the most damage prone, and the most uh, unhealthy oil, the most unhealthy type of fatty acid to consume in industrially refined oils. High oleic sunflower oil, which is just one of three oils that Magic Spoon uses, um, actually has far fewer polyunsaturated fats. So whereas regular sunflower oil is 70% polyunsaturated fats, high oleic sunflower oil is only 9% polyunsaturated fat. And the rest is predominantly monounsaturated fat, making it very similar in its chemical composition uh, and its fatty acid profile to an avocado oil or uh, maybe even an extra virgin uh, uh, olive oil. Probably it has more in common. Uh, it looks a little bit more similar to avocado oil. So I just wanted to get that out of the way, um, and I'm fine to consume a little bit of that in moderation uh, because it's predominantly oleic acid, a monounsaturated fat, which is chemically stable. You're not going to get that uh, overabundance of omega-6 fatty acids and PUFAs. So just wanted to clear that up. Um, it, Magic Spoon is also made with avocado oil, and uh, I actually think that the reformulation that they did lends the cereal a much lighter mouthfeel, if that makes any sense. So anyway, if you'd like to give Magic Spoon a try, it is damn tasty, um, and it can help you boost your protein levels, and uh, and they've got all kinds of great flavors, cinnamon, frosted, uh, they all taste great. You can head over to magicspoon.com and use promo code GENIUS, and you'll get free shipping. Magicspoon.com, promo code GENIUS, free shipping. And uh, yeah, Telemax sent you. All right, we're just seconds away from diving in to my chat with the lovely and brilliant Nicole Lappin talking all things finance in these crazy uncertain times. Um, I'm really excited, it was a great chat. Uh, before we get to that, I want to show some love to iTunes user KRAW Cross 6, who left a five star rating and wrote, Love me some Max. I love Max's content and hearing how I can live a healthy life. Thank you, Max. Well, Cross Six, love that uh, that that you love the show. It really means a lot to me. I'm working my butt off here in social isolation to bring you compelling episode week after week. And uh, and when you take the time of your day to leave a rating and review for the show on iTunes, man, it just makes my heart sing. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Before we get rolling. Please take a moment to join my text message community. You can do that by sending a text message. All you got to do is say hi or text the word genius. Literally, whatever you want to text me, um, it's all good. All you got to do is send that text to 310-299-9401. 310-299-9401. And, uh, and I would love to hear from you there. I read all of your messages and I reply to a lot. So yeah, shoot me that text and we'll be uh, pen pals. On your um on your messaging app. Uh, all right, guys, that's enough for me. I'm pumped to get into this chat with Nicole Lappin. Without further ado, here we go. Nicole, what's up? Thanks for being here. What's up? How Hi, you doing? Max. Hey. When was the last time I saw you, IRL? I feel like maybe it was Soho House Malibu, which sounds so posh to say. <laughs> that sounds so posh to say. That sounds kind of douchey, actually. But I was thinking it was like. <laughs> my and everybody who knows you knows you're not douchey um my second book 
party? I found a picture of us recently that made us look like we were going to prom or something. Oh, man. I think I texted it to you. I I mean, whenever I got to... I feel like I was seeing you a lot, and then you... Did you move or something? Were you living... You never lived on the West Coast, correct? I did. You did? I did. You and I were both doing the same type of jam. And then... Oh, no. I saw you on Oz. We were both on the show the same day. Yeah. I remember that. You're looking at me like... It's all a blur. It's all a blur. I feel like the only thing that I've been thinking about for the past month has been like the coronavirus. And it's sort of elbowed out everything else. So it's just like a... I understand. I'm starting from like a blank blank slate here. It's sort of like a corona amnesia in a sense. Um, Everything BC like doesn't register. I get it. Like I miss conversations about like, yeah, like about normal things, but I think we're getting, we're getting back to that. I think things are sort of, we're over the, we're over the hump as it were, or at least that's how it seems. I don't know. But, um, I've been doing these sort of bonus COVID-19 themed episodes, uh, that I've been putting out covering more topical topics and, um, we've covered mental health, we've covered immune support. And I wanted to have you on because you're brilliant and your focus is really finances and money. And this is obviously like a big topic today because of what's happening in the, with the economy. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to pick your brain, gather your thoughts. And then I also took a few questions from my audience who texted me questions knowing that I was going to oh. have a brilliant finance vixen on the show uh, <laughs> to, to talk about money. I need to trademark that. So that's Brilliant it. finance vixen. Yes, it's <laughs> a good good ring to it. I th- I hope vixen doesn't have yeah, bring any, it like, any any weird like connotations. I mean, I think it just means like a, a badass woman. Um, so yeah, but before we get into all that, why don't you just share with my audience like a little bit about you and your background? Whew. Uh, so before Soho House, everything before that too. Um, my life really didn't start until I met you. Um, no, I wrote my first book, gosh, six years ago. It came out, Rich Bitch. Then Boss Bitch came out a couple years later. And then Becoming Superwoman just came out, my third. Um, and before that, I was an anchor on CNN and CNBC and Bloomberg and talking to old rich white dudes about money for like 10 years. Wow. And at You know what? I actually started my company. I left network news during the last recession. And I wanted to talk to the audience that I felt was underserved, who, you know, weren't going to watch CNBC or read the Wall Street Journal, but needed financial content in an accessible way, sans jargon. So that's what I set out to do. I actually started my company It was called Recessionista at the time. And then a year later, the recession ended. And I was like, oh, yay, economy, boo, my business. So I pivoted back then, too. And that became the basis for Rich Bitch. And then everything that has come from that. But I grew up in an immigrant family, like super broken home. You know, I'm the least likely person to be talking about money. And so I often say if I can do it, anyone can do it. Like I never thought that I would be speaking the language, much less speaking it to the world and certainly not teaching other people how to speak it. Yeah. I mean, did you just always find that you were good with money or that you had a, a, no. a an aptitude for numbers and things like that? Like, how did you come to this to like what you're currently doing? Definitely by accident. Um, I hated money and hated finance. My boyfriend in high school said he wanted to be a hedge fund manager and I thought he wanted to be in gardening. 
Like that's how clueless I actually was. Um, and I realized that money is a language like anything else. We just don't have a Rosetta Stone for that language growing up. And once you can speak the language, I felt so much more empowered and I realized it actually is not that complicated. And the numbers isn't, you know, the, the fifth graders can do what's required to get your financial life together. It's the humanities part that's actually the most tricky. So it's the relationships part behind money, like talk, talking to your significant other about money. I have a podcast with the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, Jason Pfeiffer, called Hush Money, because we talk about these issues that, you know, how do you get your friend to pay you back? Do you employ a family member? All that stuff is the most complicated. The math is super easy. Yeah, super interesting. I... I have two younger siblings and uh, one of them has sort of like a finance background and it's become sort of like a crutch for me and the family because he's so good with numbers. He's just so great. He's also like very analytical. He's a programmer. And so I, whenever I have like a finance question, I just ask him like I, and so I feel like that part of my brain is like, has just become a little atrophied. I'm getting better, but you're right. I think financial literacy is something that like culinary literacy, like health literacy, it's just been lost on people. And so I'm glad that there are people like you out there that are not just talking finances, but making it fun and cool and like using the Thanks. kinds of the kind of language that you use, which draws people in, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, I think if I were in charge of the world, if you and I were both in charge of the world, we would teach this literacy in school, but we don't learn it like, you know, we learn BS things like the Pythagorean theorem, how to dissect a frog. Like, I have no idea why we ever need to know that ever, ever, ever. But if I were in charge of what we were learning, like I would say how to do a business plan, how to do your taxes, how to do a budget, way more valuable, way more practical. And of course, you know, all of the genius literacy that you talk about yeah, that we don't learn either. So have you just been super busy like since the uh, the beginning of the pandemic? Like what's your life been like? Yeah, it's um, it's actually like the Super Bowl of the financial world right now because people care about this uh, in a way that is really hard to do prophylactically or like preemptively, as you know, for health too. Like what matters right now is health and wealth. And it's really hard to get folks to take this seriously, like eating healthy after a diagnosis is more a thing than proactive. And it's the same thing for finances as well. So, you know, it's really hard to get young women in particular to talk about finances until we're at a place where we actually have to. Yeah. Um, so what are some easy tips that we can offer my audience to help people that are listening navigate the coronavirus crisis? I mean, I do think that we're sort of uh, I think crisis is a bit of a strong word. I think we're starting to gather more data now. And I, thankfully, people are um, a little bit less panicked about everything that's going on. But there's still obviously a ton of uncertainty. And I don't want to undermine um, that fact. But yeah, so what are some easy money tips that people can use that are going to help better navigate these crazy times? So I think of a spending plan in the same way as you might think of an eating plan. Like if you allow yourself small indulgences, you won't end up binging later on. Mm -hmm. And so in normal times, I would say break that down into 70% going to the essentials, 15% going to the end game. So savings, retirement, investing, and then 15% no more to the extras. So whatever fun stuff you want to do, but keep that in there. And now in the new normal, I've changed that allocation slightly to 65% of your overall take-home pay, whatever that is and wherever that's coming from, whether it's unemployment or grants, or if you're still making money, going to the essentials, so your food, your 
housing, your transportation, what we really need to prioritize now is where we live and our transportation, how we can move around. And then 5% to the extras because really not buying much right now. And then try to up the end game, which is your savings because cash is queen right now. Um, and you know, if you're using your rainy day fund, don't beat yourself up. It's raining, like it's pouring. This is the time when you're supposed to use that. But it's also important to whatever comes in, squirrel away as much as you can to build that back up. Those, those are very good tips. Um, and it's a great segue into a question that I got from Tiffany, who follows me. She texted this question in. She's from Seattle. She asked, is now a good time to pay off debt or save every spare penny that we have? Should we focus on building that rainy day fund? Um, how do we prioritize? It's a really great question, and it's one I'm getting a lot. And I actually break it down into three different categories. So if you have savings and you have a lot of debt, for instance, it's different than if you have no savings and you have a lot of debt. So it really depends on what you're coming into it with. But I actually say, unlike in the BC world, it's really important to squirrel away as much as you can right now and continue to pay the minimum, but also negotiate. So. Overall, if you want to cut through all of the financial advice out there, it's try to cut back on your spending, try to get as much government stuff as you possibly can, whether it's through the stimulus, unemployment, there's no shame in the unemployment game. You know, freelancers, contract workers, gig economy workers can finally get that, which is awesome. Um, and negotiate everything you possibly can. So this is a really good time to do that. If you've never negotiated the APR on your credit card, mm you should. And you should negotiate all of your bills if you haven't already. You can negotiate your cell phone, your cable bill, your your lease, your insurance. If you're, you know, if you have auto insurance, you're not driving and a lot of that is based on mileage, right? So this is the time to renegotiate. There are a lot of relief programs out there, but they're not going to magically just give you money. You have to fight for it. That's a super good point. I feel like a lot of people would expect these kinds of things to like their APR, for example, on their credit card to automatically lower. None of this is going to be automatic, right? You've actually got to like pick up the phone and call. And usually the people in these call centers are, are I mean, from what I understand is especially now they're going to be very lenient. Well, yeah, they are because there are a lot of relief programs and any bill collector will throw you a bone versus losing you as a customer and anytime and especially now so if there's a chance that they're not going to get anything they will usually take something and that goes for medical debt as well you know i think a lot of folks don't realize that just because it comes on a fancy piece of paper um doesn't mean it's gospel right so you can fight for it it's your hard-earned money and you absolutely should i came up with scripts and templates and stuff like that because i think these conversations can be tricky i think in theory we know we should do them uh, but it's the actual dialogue that trips a lot of people up but essentially like keep asking for a manager you know take a couple of hours and you know it could really be worth it love that one thing and then just keep saying you're going to leave to a competitor those are like the the main things you should keep so like basically to. call up your cell phone company whichever one of the big giant tele telecom companies that you that you happen to be a customer of and you can literally say that you're just hunting for a better deal you might go elsewhere and they can they'll just like cut dollars dollar signs off that off that monthly bill 
Yeah, I mean, you can come in with a different ask, right? You can come in with different options in the same way as I would have suggested when you're negotiating your salary, come in with like a cash option, come up with a perks option. So working from home a day back in the day when that was a, you know, a luxury, um, you know, and more benefits and then a combination of that. So in these cases, think of actual dollars off your bill or uh, waiving fees, deferment of payment um, and all of that stuff. And if you defer payment, whether it's your lease or your mortgage, there are a lot of government programs in place if you do have a mortgage. Uh, but if you're doing it, make sure you know what the terms are after. So if you're kicking the can down the road for three more months, make sure you know exactly what you're going to owe then, whether it's a lump sum or you're back to monthly payments or there are penalties or any of that stuff. Don't just say like, sweet, peace, bye. Yeah. See you in three months. The, for this deferment, I mean, is the plan that people are going to be basically get the opportunity to defer rent for a later date, but then have to suddenly pay three months of rent after they'd been unemployed for three months? I mean, that seems a little crazy to me or not crazy, but impractical crazy. or like not super, uh, not super thoughtful way to be going about this. It's not. And uh, that's why it's really important to even negotiate what that looks like. So negotiate what the terms are for when that money does come due, because maybe you can break that down into payments. You know, another thing that I like to suggest when you're negotiating directly with the landlord, uh, if you're renting, offer to use your security deposit as rent because they already have that. Super smart. Uh, one of the other uh, tips that I've heard you talk about um, that, that you advocate for is going on a cleanse, but not the kinds, not the kind of cleanse that uh, people in my camp often talk about. Not a juice cleanse, but a, a sort of media cleanse. Do you want to go into that a little bit? You don't like those cleanses anyway, though. Not You're not fan. down for the green juice, not a fan. right? No master cleanses. Um, no, this is, you know, my former self, I told you, I was a news anchor for a million and a half years. Like I'm telling folks to mute my former self because all of the headlines are making us stressed out and super anxious. And, you know, it's a really bad idea to make decisions when you're, especially with your investments, if you're drunk or if you're panicked and maybe you're both right now and I'm not mad at you, uh, but don't make major decisions about your future, your financial future, whether it's investments or retirements based on that fear, based on that stress. So I think put your blinders on. It's like we're driving on a highway, there's a car crash, like spoiler alert, it's not cute. Just don't slow down and watch, just keep driving and keep the course. So whether it's your 401k, uh, whether it's your investments, I mean, even the thing that people don't talk about when, you know, they're thinking about taking money out of their 401k is that you have to pay taxes on that. This yeah. year. So it's not free money. And, you know, it's, it's really important to not touch your face and not touch your 401k right now. Super smart. I how do we walk that line between staying informed? You know, I think that's a crucial part of all this is like staying as informed as possible, but not buying into the sort of panic porn, you know, that like the media loves panic porn, the panic porn that the media loves to perpetuate every other day. I'm seeing a different headline like we're no longer going to be shaking hands. We're not going to be shaking hands ever again. The economy, you know, we're going to go into the worst economic crash since the Great Depression, all this stuff. And they're just headlines, you know? They're just meant to get those clicks. So how do people like walk, you know, walk that tightrope between like staying informed don't, don't and get not addicted. Driving, driving themselves crazy? I know, I was watching you uh, with my girl Emily talking about a porn addiction, <laughs> but this, this can be a different kind, you're right. Like we can get addicted to, 
you know, the news headlines. And I think it's really important to mute it and to realize that you can't control the global economy. You can only control your own economy. You're only in charge of yourself. And, you know, like they say in different recovery programs, get your side of the street in order. That's really all we can control right now. Well said. Speaking of recovery, there's been a bit of a, I learned a new term. It's a, there's been a a bit of a relief rally in the stock market lately. Um, And so that's a good parlay into this question from Jen from Tustin, California, who asked, is it That's where I grew up. No way. Hometown. Hell yeah. Tustin? Tustin. Never even heard of it. Yeah. Down home. It's like not fancy Orange County. Wow. (laughs) So it's the OC. So yep. it's not it's not far from where I live. Um, so shout out to Tustin. I'm a Tustin peeps. Um, so Jen asks, is it time to pull out some cash while the markets have rebounded from crashing at the beginning of this madness? Well, like, what would you do if you had money in the market right now? So the there's two truisms on Wall Street, and one of them is buy low, sell high. And the other, if you're curious, is that it's better to beat low expectations uh, when it comes to earnings reports. So for buy low, sell high, you know, the problem is we don't know where the low is and we don't know where the high is. But we're much closer to the low right now. So it's a time to buy if you do have money, if you have a long term investment horizon, if you're dollar cost averaging, which is fancy speak for basically just putting little bits at different points in time to hedge against that fluctuation, whether it's a relief rally or it's a sell off or, you know, whatever is going on with the market, like you need a Valium to look at what's happening every single day. That's not what you should be doing long term. So keep your money in the market. um, And if you do have money on the sidelines, then this is actually a good time to put more money in the market. And I would suggest, because I've been getting a lot of these questions too, that low cost index funds that track the S&P 500 are a really good place to start if you're just starting to invest for the very first time. I mean, Warren Buffett has famously said that that is his favorite investment and he's a pretty badass investor. So what are those? Like ETFs? Like... I mean, I'm a market. So ETFs are different. ETFs are different than uh, index funds. So index funds are actually technically a mutual fund. So you can go and get these. You have to decide if you want to be a hands-on or a hands-off investor. So if you're hands-on, those are like the Schwabs and the Fidelities and the E-Trades of the world. If you're hands-off, those are more of the robo-advisors. So like the betterments and the wealth fronts of the world. And that's a more automated approach to it. And so an index funds index funds track basically whatever index you're picking so the S&P 500 which is what a lot of um, you know advice is out there right now to buy S&P 500 index funds tracks the S&P so it's already diversified so you know the Dow is an index those are the 30 biggest most powerful companies and stocks in the world. So that's what the Dow is. If you hear on the news, like the Dow is up, the Dow is down. The S&P 500 obviously tracks 500, the biggest companies, the NASDAQ tracks mostly tech companies. And so that's essentially what you're buying. You're buying a little piece of all of it. What about people who are looking to get, uh, like buy stocks, buy companies that are um, like coronavirus, you know, that are particularly affected either for better or worse by the coronavirus. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples, but like- Like Zoom, Yeah, like Zoom, that's a great example, because Zoom has just gone up like crazy since January. 
totally or consumer staples basics you know uh, Johnson and Johnson or whatever um, you know for toilet paper and tissues and stuff like that or some people are saying you know the coronavirus stocks are like dominoes or whatever um or you know the blue aprons of the world you know i really think if you're especially if you're getting into the market for the first time it's not a time to be picking individual stocks whether you think these are you know buys for now or not i think that's why it's important to get something that's already diversified like an index fund because you never know what's going to happen to these individual companies and if you're not tracking them on a daily basis you don't want to put too many of your eggs so to speak in one basket yeah, I mean, I'm sure that makes a lot of sense. Are there are a lot of people with like financial advisors, I'm sure. But what's a good place for people to like maybe start their research if they're looking for like one of these indexes, for example? Like, where do you where do you go to do your research? Yeah, there's actually a lot. Um, gosh, I wish I had the exact URLs right now, but. Um, there are financial advisors that are doing pro bono stuff. I can put it up on social. I can send it to you later where you can start talking to a financial advisor. Um, this is a really good time to do that. I'll ask for a fiduciary. I am a fiduciary. It's like where you aren't basically selling the stuff that you have an incentive to sell. It's giving you straight up advice uh, that's best for you and your particular situation. So if you can get pro bono advice, this is a good time to take advantage of that. So I'll send you the links for the different um, organizations that are legit that um, like CFPs are now giving their time. Dope. Yeah, I'll put those, send those to me. We'll put them in the show notes. Um, Brandon from Minneapolis asked, what's the best way to approach finance, bills, et cetera, when you're out of work during the pandemic and not sure how long it will be before cash flow starts up again? So if you're furloughed right now, I want you to be really honest with yourself. It means your company isn't doing well. And so take a really hard look at that. Like if you're furloughed, it means your company can't pay you. So try not to be delusional about that. Like there is a chance, obviously, that you might not get your job. And so you need to think of another plan for that. Um, the first step is coming up with a balance sheet, though, for yourself. So we've heard of balance sheets for companies. Um, we've heard of deficits for uh countries and municipalities, we can have our own personal budget deficit, but we don't know that until we make a list of everything we have. So everything we have coming in and everything we have going out. And if those don't match, if those numbers don't reconcile, so to speak, it means that you have a deficit. So you need to think of what that subscription was that you haven't accounted for. You know, I just saw the go-go in-flight because, as you know, I used to live on a plane when that was a thing. Like, I had a go-go in-flight subscription for Wi-Fi in the sky. And I didn't need that. I obviously don't need that anymore. So that was something that I forgot, for instance. And so I've come up with templates and I can send you, you know, I've come up with scripts and templates and different spending plan worksheets. Like I did all the math stuff for you and I can send those to you for the show notes as well. But to basically come up with a list of everything you have, whether, whether the income is coming from unemployment, whether it's coming from child support or alimony or God knows what, like it's important to actually see it out there. You know, I, I know you'll probably argue with me about this, but um, some say the best diets are the ones where you eat, eat only when you're naked sitting in front of a mirror. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> That's new to me. Um, the but best this diets one is like basically getting naked in, with your finances. Wow. That's definitely, that's a diet. Right? Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> 
I just I have like a visual like I'm I'm imagining myself doing that and it's not <laughs> it's not pretty. Uh, <laughs> I talk about that in the start of Rich Bitch where it's really like getting super honest like you can't be delusional like if you're going to fix it that's why all of my books are 12 step plans by the way it's because the first step is admitting you have a problem for any recovery and like I have all the problems but it's about first being super clear and super honest and not lying or cheating yourself because you're only lying and cheating to yourself ultimately. Self-deception. You're the easiest person to fool. Totally. Yeah. It's like going to the gym and like lying about your weight. If you're trying to get in shape or BMI or whatever, like who, who are you there to, you know, fool but yourself. And so it's really important to do the same intake when it comes to your finances. Yeah. So you just have a baseline, even if it's not like where you want to be, you know, it's the baseline and then you know where you need to be going. What about some things that people could, could do to save a little more money during these times? Like uh, simple hacks, if you will, that people can, um, you know, have on hand when they are shopping in the supermarket, uh, you know, shopping online, for example. Like what are some, some good money saving tips for people that uh, maybe they you know, might not have thought of? I actually just experienced one for myself. So I went to um, buy stuff at this vegan website and I totally forgot about the cart that I had. And I went and did something else. And then I got an email from them that was like, hey, I see that you left some stuff in your cart. Here's 10% off. I didn't even think that they were going to hook me up. And then I was like, this is actually a really good tactic to leave your cart and then oftentimes you do get a hook up there. That's badass. I'm not a, I'm not a big like coupon clipping type of lady. I'm more of like a mindset where you change your mindset to a place of aspiration versus deprivation. Like really focus on making more money versus nickel and diming yourself. I love that. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, what you're talking about is basically in a, the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. Yeah. We want to have more of that abundance mindset. It's a very attractive mindset to have and to wear. And I feel like it's very, I mean, at risk of sounding like, uh, I'm, you know, preaching like the secret, like, you know, whatever those, was it like the law of attraction or like one of those? Yeah. Yeah. The a, manifestation. Manifest. Yeah. It's always better to have that abundance, abundance mindset. One thing that I do when I'm shopping online this might be the most basic like tip ever, but I always like will search the name of the company with coupon code. I'll plug that into my Google yeah. and I'll find like a coupon code. Always, pretty much always do that. Yeah. Super effective. Yeah. yeah. And there are a bunch of sites that will track things like, um, I think there's the honey app where it will track and give you alerts if stuff you're looking at is on sale. Also, I typically say to clear your cookies. So um, not the food kind of cookies, but like, have you ever noticed that if you'll go and look at a pair of sweet kicks or whatever, and you uh, leave the cart, you see it stalking you on the side of Facebook or like on your Gmail and you see like those shoes like coming back to haunt you. And so oftentimes we do impulse buying and we do it to like, 
in the same way as we would, you know, medicate with food, you know, sometimes we medicate with online shopping. And so oftentimes in a moment of weakness, you see them like stalking, you're like, oh, I'll just get that right now. But if you clear your cookies on your computer, it's cookies are a way like fancy way that advertisers will track you and try to get you to check out with that purchase. So try not to let them tempt you too much. Yeah, reduces the temptation. Love that tip. What do you think is going to happen? Um, I mean, if you could just kind of like project a little bit into the future, like, do you think that it's going to get much worse economically speaking? Do you think it's going to get better? Like, what are your what are your thoughts if you had like a crystal ball in front of you? You know, I think ultimately I try to be really optimistic because if you invest in yourself, it ultimately will pay most dividends later on, no matter what happens with the global economy. So this is a great time. And there's so much stuff out there for free for companies like online classes from the LinkedIn's of the world and SEO for free. And, um, you know, Entrepreneur has a list of, I think, 200 things for free right now that budding entrepreneurs can get. So this is a really good time to invest in yourself. You know, I think we haven't seen the worst of it economically. Uh, these are terrible economic times. Like I don't want to be delusional. I would never lie to you. I would never lie to listeners. I would never lie to anybody. Like these are not awesome times. And so I think that's why changing what I've always said to be true. Like I've rethought all of my advice. Um, I made the case against buying a house because typical financial advice would be don't buy a latte, buy a house. I was like, what the actual fuck? That is terrible advice for some people. Like it's just not gospel across the board. It's okay to rent and buy a latte. Like the financial gods will not come and get you. But I actually think that if we're going into deflationary period, then having a home is probably a much better investment than I ever gave it credit for in the past. I never thought that a house was a good investment. A house is a home. It's a place to live. You know, if you track data over time, which I know you're a big fan of, um, you actually see that housing has not even kept pace with the market. And so if you're looking to make money, I mean, unless you're flipping on HGTV or something, like put your money as the opportunity cost, don't be house poor, put the bulk of your money that you would use in a down payment, put it in the market and rent. You know, guys like James Altucher, he rents like a $30,000 place in wow. New York and he uses the rest of his money as, you know, opportunity, you're losing that opportunity cost. And so I think right now I've changed my mind there. And I've also said as much as you can realistically, don't put all of your savings in the market, but the day a vaccine comes out, the market is going to go bonkers. <laughs> you are going to see it. You know, you're going to see the biggest spike probably in the history of the stock market. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely a great, uh, now is a great opportunity. I mean, it could go lower. I'm not giving financial advice, but it's certainly, you're getting like crazy discounts on some of these companies. Like, yeah, know, it's like going shopping on sale. Stuff is on sale. It's amazing. It's amazing. I actually was uh, thinking about maybe buying a house um, before I moved into my current place. I decided to rent. I just like I didn't want to. It just seemed like way too much, you know, um, to bite off, you know, like 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 buying. So what I decided to do was continue to rent. And I have no problem with that. And this way it allows me to have some cash on the side to strike when there's an opportunity and literally the week after I moved into my new place, everything started to go south in the market. And so I'm actually pretty happy that I have, you know, extra cash on hand that I would have otherwise had put towards a down payment. 
totally. I mean, this is what I had said for years and years. Like, if anything goes wrong, or it doesn't even need to be a pandemic, if you lost your job, or, you know, you need to take care of a family member, and you can't work, like you can't go to the supermarket with your mortgage, you need cash, like you need liquidity, think of liquidity, like an ice cube, you know, when you're super thirsty, it's so annoying when you get a frozen water bottle. Right? <laughs> yeah. That is essentially what buying houses when you need liquidity or cash. That's like the best metaphor I think I've ever heard. It's so <laughs> good because it's so annoying when you're thirsty and you it's get so annoying. It's so annoying. It's like a human universal. Um, what else can we share with my listeners? My listeners are amazing and uh, they are amazing and, and geniuses. Yeah, and they are thirsty. No pun intended. Given your that that dope analogy uh, for for knowledge and information, and you've got so much of it. So, what else can we leave them with before uh, before you've got to take off? So all the stuff coming out of Washington is really confusing. Um, you know, I will say a few things. Unemployment is something you should definitely go after now. I'm not sure when you're putting this out, but until July 31st, I believe we're getting $600 more a week for unemployment. So wow. the best place I've found to go and find, it's all through your state, by the way. So go to careeronestop.org, click on the COVID button, and then find your state through the dropdown and then follow the prompts there. So on average, unemployment is about $400 a week across the board. There are some places uh, that are more um, or some places that are a little bit less. But with $600, that's $1,000 a week. You should be going after that. And so contractors, freelancers, gig economy workers for the very first time are eligible for unemployment. That was never a thing. You needed a traditional job before. And a lot of the rules have been relaxed. So in some states, they would have you know, programs where you had to check in and prove that you're searching for a job. Those have been relaxed. You do have to do it every week, though, and and confirm that you don't have a job in order to get the benefit. But make sure you're doing that. So I think of, you know, the overall diet that you're having right now, there are a lot of relief programs if you take advantage of them. So look at unemployment. If you had two jobs and you lost one job, then you could also be eligible for partial benefits. If you worked in two, if you live in one state and work in another, like if you, you know, a lot of people live in Jersey or Connecticut and work in New York, you have to apply in the state where you work, by the way. Um, and so look at that, look at a lot of the grants. So the SBA has also just been refunded. So the PPP has been extended to freelancers and contract workers, sole proprietors as well. And so that's through your bank. Make sure you're going to your bank and applying there. The funds are refilled. Uh, they ran out of funds, um, but they're back. So make sure that you're trying to go after the Paycheck Protection Program. You don't need payroll anymore to qualify for this. Uh, the first wave of this required you to have at least one person on payroll. Uh, now you have to calculate your payroll if you're a freelancer by some of the wages and the commissions that you received in the last year. So this is a grant that can be forgiven. No, this is a loan, excuse me, that can be forgivable, which is essentially a grant. So make sure you're going after that, which is different from the SBA uh, forgivable loan of $10,000 as well. So apply for that in addition uh, to the PPP through your bank. And then there are a gazillion grants out there. Facebook has come out with grants for small businesses. Salesforce just came out with theirs. Their applications just opened. Um, Grants.gov is a treasure trove of different grants you can apply for, like sit there, 
you know, for a few hours, search. It's so worth it. If you find things that you qualify for that are super niche, then there's not a lot of competition. So you can get after that. There are a ton of grants through the arts. Comedians um, have a grant. Um, uh, actors have a grant. Musicians have a grant. Like genre writers have a grant. I put all of them on my social media. So go after all of them right now. There's a ton a ton of grants that you can get. But I know it's complicated and I know it's confusing. Um, and I know you feel like the funds might not even be there, but it's first come first serve. So get your stuff in. Wow. And so wait, where can people- My go? TED talk is over. Your TED talk, that was a great TED talk. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so, and you put these all regularly on your social media? Like these grants? Yeah. That's At so Nicole cool. Lepin. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much for your knowledge and insight. This was uh, this was awesome. We don't often talk about like finance on the Genius Life, but you know, I'm excited to sort of branch out, and uh, and I was just also excited to catch up with you because I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, likewise. Where I'll are you? you? Where, where yeah. in the world are you right now? I'm in Vermont right now. In Vermont, nice. What do you do? Is it, what are you doing out there? Yeah. Self quarantining some quarantining out of the city. Yeah, I'm usually in Brooklyn. Um, but I was in LA. I was in West Hollywood. And then I was going back and forth for a while. And then I just got a spot in, in BK. Dope. Uh, where can listeners find you again on social media? You mentioned it, but just one more time. Uh, at Nicole Lappin, wherever social media is served. And then I have a money school challenge coming up. I launched a money masterclass called the money school. Um, so this is a good time to get financially literate. Uh, if you're still confused by it. So the moneyschoolchallenge.com is where you can go. I'm putting all of my resources together for Great. the first time. And the name of your latest to, book. Like, yeah. I mean, for that, I'll just say like, this is the same type of mindset shift of like turning challenging times into a challenge for yourself. Um, and then Rich Bitch just came out in the fourth edition. So it came out updated again. Like a new cover they did, all that stuff. It's so, I love your books. They're so well written. They're so irreverent. They're like funny. And uh, <laughs> yeah, really good. Is can Rich I, Bitch for, I mean, I'm assuming that men can also glean a lot of, of knowledge from it too, correct? <laughs> totally. I put a post with an album of like a ton of guys holding it. Lewis Howes, I think, was like the first one who was holding it. I was like, yes, get after it. All of, Here's the thing, all of the advice is agnostic, but as you know, if you try to be all things to all people, especially with books or media, you are nothing to anyone. And so I needed to choose who my audience was, choose who she was, and speak exactly to her. And that was my former self, that girl who was super clueless, who got dumped by a boyfriend because I couldn't speak the language of money, um, who was smiling and nodding and not joining basic money conversations. So I wanted to speak to her. I like it, well, I wanna be a rich bitch. Sign yeah, you do. Up. Sign me up. Um, or you could do the dude version. What would be like, Is would it be rich dude or rich bro? Or rich, what would it be like? Ballin' bro? Ballin' bro. Just to be ballin' out of control. Doesn't have the same ring to it. For it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, you're awesome. Let's get you're out of awesome. here. Uh, to all you guys out there in podcast land, thank you so much for listening. Do me a favor. And share this episode of the show with your community to uh, get Nicole's knowledge out there and to help your fellow neighbor. Let me know what you thought about this episode. You can do that by texting me at 310-299-9401 or you can just say hi. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. Yo, peace.